Portions of the following program may be pre-recorded. The following program is sponsored by the National Prayer Chapel. There is a judgment greater than anything you've ever known. It won't be long Your life will pass by as a vapor And you will stand before the judgment seat of God And every secret deed and thought Every wrinkle, every spot will be in view Before the one who knows all things The Lord of Lord and King of Kings You know the one you never knew While you have breath You have a choice to make in life Turn away from your sin And believe on the risen Christ You can find peace in Him From the judgment That's to come He is the shelter From the coming storm All creation shakes at the mention of his name. He has power over life and death. Every knee will bow and tongue confess. Heaven and earth will proclaim that Jesus Christ is Lord. To the glory of the Father will you bow. can save you from the might of all your sin This is a fight in which he stands In perfect victory While you have breath You have a choice to make in life Amen Turn away from your sin And believe on the risen Christ You can find peace in Him From the judgment that's to come He is a shelter from the coming storm 
while you have breath You have a choice to make in life Turn away from all your sin And believe on the risen Christ You can find peace in Him From the judgment that's to come He is a shelter From the coming storm He's the only shelter From the coming storm Amen America is running out of God's grace. America is running out of God's grace. Now, that's hard for us to even begin to imagine because, for all, God's grace is endless. No, it is not. At the end of grace is judgment. end of grace is judgment. God does not love us with unconditional love. Let me take you back. I'm Pastor Ray Greenlee from the National Prayer Chapel. Thank you for, for listening today to Pilgrim's Progress. I left the seminary 1969, signed a church, country church, with a great deal of time to think and pray. Life then was about relationships. It was about getting yourself together. It was about using the scriptures in a way that exposed God's love and and how wonderful you are. It was about church growth, progress. It was heady stuff. Bill Hybels headed into Columbus. But By the time I had pastored an institutional church for 10 years, had tremendous success preaching on college campuses to venues of several thousand at a time, going to Lloyd Ogilvie's seminars and workshops, on church growth and relationships. My heart was sick. This was not what I wanted. It wasn't real. It wasn't authentic. It wasn't 
wasn't the real deal, and I knew that. And so I bailed out of the institutional church. I said, I've had enough with you. You're, this is just phony stuff. And then I began to really struggle. I had to find something that was real. Now, many of you who listen to this broadcast know that we're in the third month of my having fallen down stairs and broken a hip. My right side, I can't use my right leg. Been a haze of pain. And people have said to me, why didn't you go to the doctor? Well, I'll tell you, because of what I discovered in the scriptures, I discovered it's not about how I feel or what I want. It's about God. It's about Jesus. It's about what he's doing and what he wants. And he gave me very specific, audible instruction. Wait upon the Lord. Pause. The Lord will carry you through. Pause. And then, Ray, enter my rest. Well, I'm going through, and I'm in his rest, and I'm trusting what he's doing. Because I found something real. I found something more real than anything I'd ever considered in my life. I want to talk about that. I want to frame it first in my understanding of what's going on in our culture. There's a heavy-duty word, synchronistic. We have become a synchronistic society. That is, we have become a homogenized society. Wherever you go in the world, you find the same same restaurants, same attitudes. Things have become very much alike. It's kind of boring. That's what's happened. So wherever you go, you're going to find your Applebee. Wherever you go, you're going to find your your specific pizza joints. But also attitudes. You're going to find the same attitudes. And the attitudes are, I'm entitled. I'm owed. Life is supposed to be comfortable and wonderful. I want to get my kids in the best schools so they can get the best jobs and make money, buy a lifestyle, have that new BMW to drive, or Mercedes, or Toyota. It's supposed to be about you. Parents fight to get their kids in the right schools. It's a synchronistic world where everything has been mashed together. And and how have they done that? Largely through the media. 
largely through the television shows, internet, largely through Hollywood, magazines. Wherever the media is communicating, they are lying. They're not telling us the truth at NBC, ABC, Fox. They're all flat-out liars. They have an agenda, and that agenda is a synchronistic agenda to bring forth the one-world government, to bring forth the beast power of Revelation 13, to bring forth the controlling powers. Now, look today. Who owns the Federal Reserve? Is it the government? No. Private individuals. And they control the money. How many families, would you guess, own most of the major corporations in America? Barely a handful. Maybe two handfuls. They all belong on each other's boards. They all vote the same policies. They decide if somebody's going to go woke. They're the ones who are going to tell Anheuser-Busch, you've got to put this woman, who's really a man, you've got to put her on the can and see what happens. Well, they found out, go woke, go broke. There's still some level of opposition to this synchronicity. But we are fast moving toward a world that is completely synchronistic and will finally result, according to Revelation 13, that you will not be able to buy or sell if you have not received in the right hand or the forehead the mark of the beast, who is a person, 666. I won't tell you who I believe that is, but I believe they're already pulling the strings behind the scene. So we have a very synchronistic society, world. The second word I want to use is malevolent. There is a malevolence. There is a, a growling threat of nuclear war. There is a growling of destruction. It is obvious that the powers to be under the control of this malevolent spirit are not kind people. They are wicked people beyond description. Every sexual perversion, every unkindness, they are beyond any imagination. Perverts, murders, liars, cheaters. This malevolent spirit is literally a person we call the devil or Satan. And he has his minions that work very carefully with him in this grand scheme of a synchronistic world under the power of this malevolent spirit called the devil. 
the beast power is under the devil's power because the devil gives the beast power all of his power to rule over the earth. Now there's a third word that I want to use. That's the word grace. Unmerited favor. The love of God. The opening by the mighty God of heaven of a way of escape from this malevolent, synchronistic world that we find ourselves in. Now, let me simply say, I'm terrified for you and for me. I'm terrified because we have been hooked into this synchronistic world, and the question needs to be asked, How do we divorce from it? Now, there is a... There's a very cunning deception that has been introduced by Christians into this synchronistic world to make it okay. And we commonly on this broadcast just call it the sinning Christian. That you don't have to be perfect. In fact, you can't be perfect. In fact, That philosophy will take countless numbers of you straight into hell under the power of this malevolent spirit that rules the world right now. And that grace is running out. That grace is running out. I'll show you that in the book of Hebrews. First. Let's look at Hebrews, the ninth chapter. But now he has appeared, that is Jesus, once and for all, at the end of the ages, to do away with sin by the sacrifice of himself. The sacrifice of Jesus Christ was not to allow you to continue to sin in a cheap grace. That sacrifice of Jesus on that bitter, painful cross was to allow for the destruction of all sin and to open a way that was real out of sin. Now, I said that I'd found something that was mind-blowing, that was beyond me. Let me just in a few words describe what that is. It's reality. It's real. I am not the center of my world. If the Lord says to me, wait upon me, you've broken your right hip, you can't walk at all, you're in the house all day, you can't go anywhere, you can't do anything, should I do? Well, run to a doctor. Because I'm the center of my life. No. Jesus is real. The gospel is real. It is reality. 
we have not believed that the gospel was reality. I'll never forget the time I decided I was going to begin reading the Bible from Genesis and I was going to read it through Revelation. Whoa, what a revelation I got. You know what I discovered? The Bible is not about making me feel good. The Bible is about bringing me to judgment and the way God opened a way of escape. The Bible is about God dealing with sin. It's not about making you feel good or comfortable or giving you a way of escape. It's not cheap grace. It is reality. So let me read this. Hebrews, the ninth chapter. But now he has appeared once and for all at the end of the ages to do away with sin by the sacrifice of himself. It does not say to do away with the penalty of sin by some cheap. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Some cheap repentance. No, he intends to do away with sin by the sacrifice of himself on that cross. He did not go to the cross to make you feel loved. The gospel is not about you being feel, uh, being able to feel loved by God or having a more prosperous life. I read about a man. He's rejecting the cheap gospel. The trouble is he hasn't found the expensive one. Church today is filled with the cheap gospel of grace. Listen. Just as man is destined to die once, and after that to face the judgment, So Christ was sacrificed once to take away the sins of many people. Greek word. Take away. Well, literally, here's my mouse. It's sitting on my desk. If I take away my mouse, I pick it up, and I remove it. It's no longer on the desk. It's no longer there. The true gospel of Jesus says, Christ was sacrificed once to take away the sins of many people, that is, to lift up off of them the sins of many people. Not to leave the sin on the people and tell them, oh, I'll do a sleight of hand here. Your sin is going to remain on you, but Jesus' grace covers you. That sleight of hand, it's a lie. He will appear a second time, not to bear sin. Not to bear sin? He's going to come a second time, and in the in the Greek, 
not to bear sin, not to pay the penalty for your sin, not to not to struggle to lift sin up off of you. Some people say, when I die, I'll be made righteous. Now the scriptures say, he appears a second time, not to bear sin, but to bring salvation to those who are waiting for him. Those who've had the sin already lifted up off of them. Okay. Let's go quickly to the 10th chapter of Hebrews, and we're going to get much deeper in this. The law is only a shadow of the good things that are coming, not the realities themselves. For this reason, it can never, by the same sacrifices repeated endlessly year after year, make perfect those who draw near to worship. If it could would they not have stopped being offered? For the worshippers would have would have been changed once and for all and would no longer have felt guilty for their sins. But those sacrifices are an annual reminder of sins because it is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sin. Wait a minute, we need to talk about that just a minute. The blood of bulls and goats cannot take away your sin. Only the blood of Jesus can take away your sin. I know people who were always struggling with repentance. They can never come to an end of repentance. They can't imagine that God could so change them that they would be transformed into new people. That's what the word says. Okay, now watch. Jesus came. You look at verse 9. Jesus came to establish in his body the sacrifice of his body. Open a doorway into the Holy of Holies. Verse 12, when the priest had offered for all time one sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God. Since that time, he waits for his enemies, the devil, the malevolent spirit, the synchronicity, to be made his footstool, because by one sacrifice he has made perfect forever those who are being made holy. Oh, I can't be made perfect. Okay, then you're on your way to hell. The blood of Jesus was intended not like the blood of bulls and goats. The blood of bulls and goats could not remove your sin, but the blood of Jesus Christ totally removes your sin. The Holy Spirit also testifies, verse 15, to us about this. First he says, This is the covenant I will make with them. After that time, says the Lord, I will put my laws in their hearts, and I will write them on their minds. 
Then he adds, the sins are lawless acts, and I will remember them no more. Remember what First John says? Sin is a lawless act. It is an act of deliberate, willful rebellion against the Most High God. Verse 18, and where these have been forgiven, there is no longer any sacrifice for sin. Now hear me. Salvation comes only by the sacrifice of the blood of Jesus Christ. But he's saying, once you have accepted and have had that new covenant written in your heart, there will no longer be any sacrifice available for you for sin. Talking about willful sin. Sin is by its very nature volitional. That is, sin by its very nature is a voluntary act of rebellion against the government of the Most High God. But you see, if the whole world is synchronistic, if everybody believes the same, Everybody kind of thinks the same. Everybody has grabbed onto a false grace that you're saved when you say a little sinner's prayer and there's no struggle and there's no honest dealing with a holy God. You think everything is for you and about you and it is not for you and it is not about you. Though there are some benefits This is about God. It's about Jesus and the devil. This is a bloody battle against the powers of darkness. It's about a resurrection. This is real stuff. This is not make-believe sentimental slop that's pouring through the American apostate church. See, you will not understand the real gospel until you sit down. Maybe begin with the New Testament and read it with yourself, not the sinner. Don't try to be the center of the gospels or of the books like Hebrews, Galatians, Romans, Romans 6. You're not the center. Let me read this to you. Verse 26. If we deliberately keep on sinning, after we have received the knowledge of the truth, I'm giving you a portion of the knowledge of the truth. The full knowledge of the truth comes as the Holy Spirit deals with your heart, as you read the New Testament, and you discover that you're not at the center of things, you're off on the side. We've made ourselves in the church 
so important. We're not important. Jesus is important. The Father is important. The Holy Spirit is important. Defeating the devil is vital. There will never be freedom and peace and joy and love on the earth until this benevolent spirit called Satan is utterly defeated and cast down, burned in hell. Oh, just stop a minute. Say something unpleasant. I don't mean to, but it is. You're not a farm boy or girl, and even then it's not pleasant. In the Old Covenant, they sacrificed animals, bulls, goats, lambs, sheep. They offered them as sacrifice. How did they do that? They brought them to the altar of burnt offering. And they slit their throat with a big knife. And the animal began to bleed out. They would catch some of the blood as a part of the sacrifice. There was manure flowing. Stinky manure. There was blood all over. That animal then was carved up right there. Depending on which sacrifice it was, it was offered on the altar. Or just the fat portions. How do you get the fat portions out of beef? You cut them out. And they have very sharp knives. Can you imagine the stench? And the ugliness. This is what sin did. And God is saying, look, what you are doing to that animal is what I should be doing to you, but for my grace. I should be casting you into the fire. Cast into the fire. First, the meat roast. Pleasant aroma. Then it begins to burn. An unpleasant aroma. Blackened. That should have been your back and my back. Instead, Jesus offered his back. And they whipped him until there was just a bloody mash on his back. He had done nothing to deserve it. He had done nothing wrong. Then they threw him down on that beam of wood, nailed his hands, jammed it into the earth, tearing and ripping. Then they nailed his feet to that brace. Why did they nail his feet? Because Otherwise, he would quickly die of asphyxiation, of no breath. But now he can push extremely painfully against that brace with his raw back 
with the flies buzzing. He can push against that brace and just lift himself up enough with nailed feet and pain beyond pain. He can grab a bite of air and then sink down. Jesus, because of the bloody beating and the broken heart, died probably about three hours after being crucified. But the men he was crucified with did not die. But the Jewish people wanted them off those crosses before the Sabbath began. So they were given orders by the Jewish leaders to break their legs. And so with a sledgehammer, they came along and broke the legs of those men crucified with Jesus. Why? So that the leg would not support the weight and they would quickly die of asphyxiation. This is what you and I deserve. And we've come up with some cheap deal that says, Oh, God's grace covers me. No, it doesn't. Not until you have repented. It says, If we deliberately keep on sinning after we have received the knowledge of the truth, no sacrifice for sins is left but only a fearful expectation of judgment and of raging fire that will consume the enemies of God. It's saying that if you deliberately continue to sin, try to shift and get a comfortable place. It's saying that if if you deliberately continue to sin against God, The only thing you can expect in the future is blazing fire like the sacrifice in the Old Covenant where you are going to be cast into the fires of hell. See why I'm saying this is terrifying stuff? We've got to Look at the scriptures for what it says and get real with what it actually says and not what the false preachers say it says. Not the John Calvins and the... Well, you know who I'm talking about. If we deliberately keep on sinning, after we have received the knowledge of the truth, no sacrifice for sins is left but only a fearful expectation of judgment and of raging fire that will consume the enemies of God. Anyone who rejected the law of Moses died without mercy on the testimony of two or three witnesses. How much more severely do you think a man deserves to be punished who has trampled the Son of God underfoot who has treated as an unholy thing the blood of the covenant that sanctified him and who has insulted the spirit of grace. Literally, in the Greek it says, 
You have made common the blood of Jesus. Why have you made, or how have you made the blood of Jesus common? By saying, I can continue in my sin. The blood of Jesus covers me. That's making the blood of Jesus of no account. It's considering it of no more value than the blood of bulls and goats. It says in chapter 10, it is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. They're saying it's impossible for the blood of Jesus to take away our sin. It's impossible for the blood of Jesus to make us perfect. Now you want to know why most preachers won't touch Hebrews? It exposes them and the lies. By one sacrifice, he's made perfect forever those who are being made holy. I hear people casually saying, well, I'm saved. But if the Holy Spirit wants me to cut the television off, I'll cut it off. He just has to tell me. I have a favorite program on television. I don't see anything wrong with it. In fact, it's very informative. It's a part of the synchronistic world that we live in. I have yet, and I used to be a movie buff, I have yet to see one movie that does not do harm to Jesus Christ and the values he holds. Everything is twisted. The movie series, The Chosen, I urge you not to watch when it comes on television. When it first came out, I thought, wow, this might be something really informative and good. So what happens? In the first series, Peter is made out to be in trouble with Rome over money. Peter was a fisherman, and he went to Magdala to deliver his fish like all the other disciples and fishermen did. And they were packed. It was salted and packed away, and their primary market was Rome. Does that mean that Peter is in trouble with Rome? Of course not. Peter is an honest businessman. He's not crooked. He tries in every way possible to be a realistic man of God, a Jew. Does he make mistakes in his life? Yes, he does. Jesus rebukes him and says, Satan, get thee behind me. Your mind are the things of man, not of God. Oh, he has to grow up. We all have to grow up. And and the Lord will tell us about the things we need to change. 
Oh, but don't be casual about this. Grace is running out for the American church. It has been abused. It's been turned on its head. It's been turned into a blanket to cover over wickedness. But we're very clear here that if we deliberately keep on sinning, that is, if we make willful choice, that's what sin is, willful choices. The Lord was very kind to me about movies. I used to love movies. I had a, a tugging in my heart that said, I watch this. want to watch this. Leave. Don't watch it. Finally, I, the message, no one ever taught me this before. And I walked out of the theater and I said, I'm never going back. And I'm not going to go back. It's wickedness. I've told you this before. My dad was a very straight, honest, holy man of God. High school, I said, Daddy, why can't we go to the movies? We're home on vacation. There's a movie I'd love to see. Dad said, no, I'm not going. Why? Well, I'll tell you what, Ray. It's getting toward dinner time. Come, let's go downtown. We drove downtown. He said, oh, oh, there it is. See that garbage can over there? I'll bet we could get some good dinner out of that garbage can. I said, what? I'm not going to eat out of a garbage can. He said, oh, but you want to go eat out of the garbage can at the movies? That's what they are. They're garbage. I didn't believe my dad. So later in college, I started going. You know what I found in every movie? Garbage. Garbage. I hope today's been made plain. The word of God, the word of truth. I pray that you won't reject this word. That every time the Holy Spirit begins to speak, you'll say, yes, sir. That you'll cut off anything that you have a question about. Anything that even a check in your spirit. Don't go there. Don't do it. Life is serious. And I pray you'll go to the scriptures. Hebrews 10 would be a great place to go. And Just read Hebrews 10. And recognize that this is not about you. It's not about you being able to relate to it and relate it to other people. It's not about how you feel. Jesus. It's about Jesus' sacrifice on the cross. It's about what you're going to do. Don't feel sorry for me. 
walking in this brokenness? Because I trust Jesus. He's going to come and heal me. How do I know that? Because his promises say that, and I trust his promise. Mark 11, 23-28. Old Testament, by his stripes I am healed. Am I willing to suffer a bit for Jesus? Absolutely. He suffered for me. Recognize that the scriptures do not make believe. Jesus means what he did, and he means what he says. His words and his actions match one another. Shock! Right? Oh, Jesus, let our words and our actions match one another. Don't let us say one thing and then act like another. Mighty God of heaven, would you make real to our synchronistic minds how we can be separated from this wickedness, how we can say, no, I'm not going to participate in this anymore. I am going to be holy before God because he is holy. I'm going to be holy like Jesus, and it's his blood that makes me holy, that purifies and makes me perfect before a holy God. Please come. I have such a heartache for America, the apostate church, for the wicked who just are like rocky soil, thorns and thistles, drinking in all the wonderful things that come to them out of the scriptures, but then never applying them, never obeying them going their own way. Lord, I plead today for your people that they will wake up and stop believing and following the malevolent spirit of the American church. Oh, Lord. Great holy name. My brother, my sister, it's been a straight message. I pray it's been helpful to you. I love Jesus. I'm not going to play games with the devil. I'm not going to make it about me. I'm not going to complain or demand. I'm going to simply wait on my Lord. He will do what he's promised. He will carry me. Well, you know what? Coming to the end of the month. And I want to thank each one of you who has helped cover the cost of the radio. Some are very precious to me. 
Richard Boyd, and others, particularly one brother every month sends a check, $80, help pay the church rent. He's a beloved brother. You can write to me at Pastor Ray Greenley, National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. Again, that's the National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia. Two two one nine five. Also, welcome to go to our webpage, nationalprayerchapel.com. Brother Ed has placed all kinds of wonderful resources there for you. And you can give online. Go to nationalprayerchapel.com. God bless you, my brother, my sister. I love you. Get real. Get real. Let go of Fantasia. The blood's real. The penalty for sin is real. Talk to you soon.